0: First, ser- first series in this, uh, in, in first sermon in this series, is I- I'm really going to focus on knowing Jesus as Mark told us about Jesus. Now, if you don't know, and, and sometimes we forget this that people don't know, there are four Gospels in the Bible: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I'm starting with Mark today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. These are four men that hung out with Jesus. Some of them were his disciples. They were with him uh, through his life, and, and, and they saw, especially those last three years of ministry, they saw these things happen. And so each one of them is writing the story of Jesus. And they each write it a little differently because, you know, it'd be like gathering four people here, you know, And us going off and doing something all afternoon, and having all four of them write down what happened, there would be some things that this one would remember and say, "I got to tell you this." And somebody said, "No, this is the most important thing to happen." That's that's kind of what was happening. So it's really good that we've got all four of these, and and I I take time to explain that because you know if you've been in church all your life, you understood that, right? When I was a youth pastor in the first church ever served in, there was a young man that that got saved and man just immediately felt called into ministry. He started digging through the Word of God, and he called me one night, and he said, hey, Rick, I got a question for you. He said, how many times did Jesus live on the earth? And I said, just one. Why? He said, oh, man, I've been reading. He said, I read Matthew, you know, he, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose again. And then I started reading Mark. You know, and he lived and he died and he rose again. And then I, I, I said, wait wait a minute. I flipped over to Luke real quick and said, he lived and he died. How many times do you live here? And you say, he's just lived once. So I had to explain to him that, yeah, that's four guys telling the same story. And some of them relate different instances, but most of them relate most of the same things. And so he got it. And, you know, it reminded, it reminded me a couple of things here. It reminded me that everybody doesn't know everything maybe that sometimes we take for granted that everybody ought to know. But also reminded me something that, that that the more I get into who he is, sometimes I can get lost in things and forget some. So when I had to explain it to him, it reminded me. It reminded me. Wait, it reminded me of some things because when I had to when I had to get back to his level and start, it's it's good sometimes to kind of just throw everything you know away for just a few moments and start all over. And when he asked that question, it's like I had to start all over. I I, I had to I had to. Th- Forget everything I knew. And I had to say, okay, now where is my buddy here? And try to figure out, you know, to explain to him and and to get back. And that's what I want you to do this morning in this sermon series for the next four weeks. I I don't want you to forget everything you know, obviously. But I I want you to back up and, and say, God, teach me again who Jesus was. Because let me tell you, the world's turned off by a lot of what you and I have said Jesus is the way we have lived Jesus before them. When I say you and I, I don't mean just the people in this room. I mean the church, what we have made out Jesus to be. You know what, it's good, it's good. I believe it'd be good for every one of us. Let's back up today. Let's start all over and let's let God show us who he is and let us know Jesus as he intended we would know Jesus. Okay, so let me tell you about Mark. Now Mark, he was one of the disciples of Jesus and, and, and he wrote, and, and he's the shorter of the four gospels. Okay. And one of the reasons is just the way he does things, okay, he just kind of jumps in here in a hurry. Now he tells, or he gives more of the stories of the miracles. He he gives you more miracles than he gives messages. So uh, of all the messages, Matthew's got a lot of of exposition, a lot of where Jesus was teaching on the uh, the mount. And he was uh, telling a lot of parables and stories. But Mark doesn't get into near as many of those. He's he's telling us all of these things that Jesus did, the miracles of touching people and healing people. And it's almost like Mark is saying, I don't want you to know that Jesus just said he was the Messiah, that he just said he had the power. I want you to know that he was because he went all over Galilee. He went all over Palestine to to show us and, and to... Exemplify the power of God that was working in him. Mark says, "I want I want you to know this." And so he was pointing out to us that Jesus, he's not just talking a good talk; he, he's walking the walk. He walks it all the way out. Everywhere he goes, he's touching people, and people are being healed. Crowds are gathering. Why are crowds gathering? They're not gathering because some big name is in town. They're gathering because miracles are happening because the power of God working through this man Jesus, who was the Son of God, is drawing them because he had the power. And so here's what Mark does. He has three little verses at the very chapter one, three little verses of introduction. And I started to give you those, but no really reason to. I mean, it's just real quick. And then he just jumps. He skips the the uh, the birth of Jesus completely. Just skips over it you know doesn't even doesn 't even mention it you know uh, Matthew kind of mentions a little bit more, Luke really gets into it Mark he just skips he doesn 't even talk about that part he, he goes to, to, he introduces John the Baptist to us who's out there you know baptizing and, and Jesus is one of those that is baptized by John the Baptist and, and you know, and then it also tells Mark also tells a little bit of the story of of a time in Jesus' life where he went through great temptation where Satan just kept coming back and kept coming back. Anybody ever been there before? I want you to know Jesus has too. And then he tells us a little bit about John the Baptist being in prison. And he doesn't go into great detail, but he just tells us this real quickly. And then he starts telling us some things about Jesus. Okay? And so he tells us that Jesus declares the kingdom of God is at hand. And then he, he calls Simon and, and Andrew and James and John, four of his disciples. He, he calls them away from their boats because they were fishermen to follow after him. And then he goes into a, into a synagogue and he begins to teach and he casts a demon out of a man that was demon-possessed. And then he goes and he heals Simon. This this one that he just called as, as one of his disciples. He goes into Simon's house and heals Simon's mother-in-law and then also heals a lot of other people in the city. And uh, then he goes away all by himself, goes, goes off to pray, just just all alone by himself. And, and then he tells the disciples, we've got to hit the road, guys. So they hit the road and, and on his way, you know, kind of on his way, he... He heals a guy of leprosy, and you see all this is happening right there. Let me tell you something. What is what is really interesting about all this that happens right there? This all happens in chapter one. He doesn't spend any time talking a lot. I mean, you know, to to me, you know, if Mark were going to preach, you know, he'd be one of those 15, 20 minute guys done. You know, I got to tell you some stuff. I got to tell you and be done. I mean, he's, he's in a hurry. It's like, I got so much to tell you. I don't have time to elaborate on any of it. Let me just, let me just show you all these awesome things that God, and it just goes on and on and on real quick like that. And if you look, at chapter two and chapter three and chapter four, he never slows down. Mark is just constantly, just quick, I mean, if, you, if you'll look at it, if you've got a Bible, you know, that like heads, you, you know, three or four verses, it's got like a heading over it, just read those headings through the book of Mark and just see, he, he's just constantly from one thing to the next, from one miracle to the next, maybe a little bit of teaching from Jesus here, but bam, back into another miracle. And of, of the miracles, all but two of them, when I counted the miracles in the book of Mark, all but two of them are miracles of mercy. So the, all the miracles that Mark wants to tell us about, he wants to tell us about the miracles of mercy. And this is what Jesus has done. He, he was here for, you know, for 32 years or so, and in those last two to three years, he was, he was actually ministering. And in that time, he was, he was performing these miracles, reaching out in mercy to people. And that's what he's doing for us today. He's here today because some of you are hurting, right? Come on, you can nod your head, you don't have to say it out loud, if you, but you're hurting. You're struggling. Financially you're struggling. Some of you are sick. Some of you have, have needs that the doctor doesn't know how to help you with. But you're struggling, and Jesus is here. He's here to meet those needs. He's here to encourage you. He's here to lift you up. He's here to give a miracle. I got a phone call yesterday of a miracle that had happened as a result of, of prayer. They still happen today. He wants to give somebody a, That's why He's here. He did it then, he's still here, he's doing it today. He wants to do all of those things, he was doing them then, and he's doing them today. But he's not just here to do these things, he's also doing these things because Jesus, in the middle of doing this, he is also being our great example, okay? He doesn't just want to touch us and bless us and say, okay now, everybody go on your way. No, he he is our example. Let me give you proof. Here's what I believe right here. Here's the proof. Mark chapter 10, verse 44 and 45. Jesus says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus himself, he didn't come for us to serve him. He came to serve us. And see, that's 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 totally opposite of the way the world is right because I mean when people get lifted up and exalted into into position what what do they what do they expect I mean they expect you know somebody's going to come bless me or whatever think about how upside down this is you know we just had primaries here you know right we had primaries this week you went and you went and voted for people right who did you vote for? did you vote for the people you really like because you want them to be able to go into office so that they can get lots of money and they can get lots of stuff and you know and they can just be you know really they can just be uh uh, blessed abundantly. Is that, that really who you voted for? Why? No, you voted for people that were going to do the best thing for us, right? I mean, that's what we do is when we choose leaders. But it gets backwards, doesn't it? We're choosing leaders to do the best for us and it seems like they get in office and man, they're doing stuff all for themselves. Everything's about them. And that's why Jesus was talking about in the same thing here. He was telling them this because maybe they didn't get it because that's the way leaders always do kind of have been it's so easy to forget the ones you're leading and say, wait a minute I'm the leader you guys ought to appreciate me and Jesus said but that's not why I've come every other leader you know may have had that attitude but Jesus said that's not me I didn't come here to be served I came to serve and he, and he says there he says he begins that with the word for you know why he begins that with that? He's because he said I want you to know this because what, what, what you've always seen in the past has been this but I want you to see this I want you to understand and I'm your example. In the, the previous chapter, verse 35, he's sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. If you want to be the best, if you want to be the leader, if you want to be number one, then you got to become the least. See, that's totally upside down, but that's, that's where it becomes, but that's where it really comes to is because the Son of God, who is greater than all, greater than every man who's ever lived because he was the God come in the flesh, he became servant of all, showing to us. And sometimes it's hard for us to get this. There is no greater joy in life than serving somebody else. I don't, I don't mean necessarily being a slave to somebody else, I don't know what I'm t- but serving somebody else. I mean, I've said many times, you know, one of the greatest joys in life is buying a kid an ice cream cone. You ever bought a kid an ice cream cone? Try it sometimes, you know, it might lighten you up. You might put a smile on your face or something, you know? I mean, it's a joy because you, you put a little, you know, dollar and a half ice cream cone into a kid's hand, you know, and just watch them beam, watch them light up and you just watch them getting all over their face and everything, you know, and because they're really getting into it, everything is dripping all over their heads. And I know it's just you moms and dads, y'all chill out. You're going to be grandparents one day and it'll be okay, right? And they're getting it all over them. And it's just a joy to watch. Why? Because you're serving. You know, what we need to do is we need to translate that into every part of our life. Is that it's not just about that moment, but about everything. If we could get this, this is what Jesus wanted to tell us. And then also, let me go on over to my next, next scripture, uh, chapter 8, previous chapter. Chapter 8, verse 34, 36. Here Jesus really lays it out really hard too, okay, but get it. He said, he call, uh, so he called his, uh, the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Losing your life. Now, a lot of people have problems with that because they say, well, Jesus is telling me to give up my life. I can't can't have this, this, that. That's not what he's saying. There are Christians with lots of money. Maybe you don't know any of them, but there are some Christians with lots of money. There There are Christians with a lot of intelligence. And they didn't, you know, I, I heard a sermon one time. You know, when you become a Christian, you don't have to check your brains at the door. You know, you, he wants you to still hang on to your brains. There are Christians with lots of intelligence. There are Christians very talented. I mean, you know, we see it all around us, don't we? I mean, There, there are Christian actors today. There are Christian authors, right? I mean, you don't, you don't throw away your gifts and your talents and your abilities and the things that you're accomplishing in life. That's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is when you you take that and you understand why I gave it to you. I gave you that. I'm the one who who caused you to be gifted in such a way that you would pick up things like you picked them up. That you would become able to, to accomplish things but are also just able to look at something and say, I can do that and go do it. Or for somebody to teach you for a couple of seconds and all of a sudden, man, you're doing it on your own. God says, I gave you that. I'm not saying throw that away, but I'm saying give your life to me and let me make it everything it needs to be. And see the, the calling that he has put in your life. And here's the calling, okay, because like I said, you know, maybe some are called to have money and means so they can give more. And some are called to be, to be preachers, teachers, yes. Some are called to, I believe some people are called to pray. Now, we're all called to pray, but I believe some people have a calling to pray. And there are people who are, who are gifted to work with kids, you know, and, and, and you know we say around here a lot of times, you know, that uh, we want you to work where you're gifted. We don't want you to, we don't want to stick you in a place. If you're not gifted with kids, we don't want you to work with kids, because we don't, we don't want you to kill any of our kids back there while, you know, while you're working in the kids' ministry, whatever. You know, we want you to work where you're, where you're gifted, you know? And there are people who are gifted to work with kids. I mean, if you're not, you ought to say amen because you know that. I mean, you're done in about five minutes, right? If you're not gifted. But there are people that are gifted to work. I don't understand people that work all week long maybe in a daycare and come to church on Sunday and want to work in the nursery. I'm like, man, give me anything else to do if that's what I've been doing all week. But there are people that are gifted to work with kids, people that are gifted to go in places that nobody else wants to go, people who are gifted to to stop. You know, I've said a lot of times, you know, I'm really not called to be a counselor. I'll meet with you a time, maybe two But you know, after I've met with you a couple of times, if you hadn't done what I told you to do the first time or two, man, I'm saying, You don't need to come back yet. You know, you didn't do what I told you to do the first time. You know, I'm not patient in that way. God's teaching me patience in a lot of areas. He just never taught me patience in that way. It's kind of, you know, I guess I've got more of the profit gifting of like, this is what you need to do, now go do it. (laughs) You know, and don't come back and talk to me until you did. But there are people that are gifted in counseling that'll sit with you and let you make all the excuses about why you hadn't done it. You know, and they'll just slowly get you. There are people gifted to do that. Gifted to do that. But every one of us is called to be one thing. We're called to be something that Jesus is exemplifying for us. So so let me show it to you here as quickly as I can in chapter 2 of the book of Mark. Chapter 2 is like the cliff notes of the book of Mark to me, okay? Uh, you You know what cliff notes are, don't you? I was going to look, see if I could catch anybody that you used them during school, right? Any of you? Any of you uh, yeah. You know what those are. And you remember, what you, you remember what your parents or your teacher told you about cliff notes? Don't use them because they don't contain everything. You'll miss a whole lot of stuff if all you do is read the cliff notes. But they give you a good idea of what the whole thing's about. So it, sometimes it's okay to read and get an idea. That's the way Mark chapter 2 is. You're going to miss a whole lot of who Jesus is if you only read Mark chapter. And only listen to what I'm saying right here today. You need to read the book of Mark. And know Jesus this week. This week, read two chapters a day, and you will read the Book of Mark before next Sunday. You need to know everything about what Jesus is doing here. But here's the Cliff Notes version: it is right here in Mark chapter two. Okay, here's the first thing that happens. Jesus is, you know, he's already started working miracles, and now he is sitting in a house somewhere teaching, and people are hearing him, and they're yelling out the door, saying, "You got to come in here and hear this." And people were coming in. He was speaking words of life. And the, and, and, and the house got so full of people wanting to hear these words of life that nobody else could get in and others that heard, hey, he's healed people over here, oh, uh, over in Capernaum. He healed everybody in town that they brought to him, and, and four guys, they had a friend that was a and they put him on a bed, and they brought him to Jesus. So they got to the house. They couldn't get him in the door. They couldn't slide him through a window. They get up on top of the house, and they, and, and I like the way the NIV says. The NIV says, they started digging through the roof. Now, you and I, I mean, we, we couldn't dig through a roof today, you know, because, I mean, you got the, you got the top, I mean, you Tear up your fingers, you know. Trying to dig through, you know, ceiling—I mean, roofing tiles today. You know, those asphalt tiles, and then you get down to the wood and everything. But that's not the way roofs were. I mean, they were just—that's what they did—is they were tearing through the roof, and they basically just dropped the man down in Jesus' lap. Oh, come on! That, that's a—that's a, just a great example. Just something. Just—just just envision that for a moment. These four guys wanted something to happen to their friend so badly they—they they climbed the roof. They dug through the roof. And then they laid him in Jesus' lap. You got an unchurched friend that you want something to happen? Lay him in Jesus' lap. Do everything you can to get him here, these next three sermons of this series, and just lay them in Jesus' lap. Because when they did, they brought him there for a healing. But you know what Jesus did? He said, when Jesus saw his faith. You know, now they had a lot of faith. But you remember, he was the one laying on the bed that was crippled, that was having to hang on while they were taking him up. Come on, think about it. And then they dropped him through the roof. And so when Jesus saw his faith that he believed on Jesus as the son of God to be able to heal him, when he saw his faith, he said, my son, your sins are forgiven you. He forgave him of his sins. Do everything you can to get him in Jesus' lap. Now, there were some religious folks sitting around. They were listening to Jesus saying, hmm, I don't know about that. Hmm, I don't know about that. Now, all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, son, your sins are forgiven you. Now, they're like, my, Did you hear that? He's forgiving sins. Who is this forgiving sins? Now, Jesus, he he understands the intents of every man's heart. He understood what they were doing, what they were saying. Maybe you overheard them, but we do know that he knew what they were saying. And so I think Jesus just wanted to tick them off a little bit. You know, that's one area that me and Jesus really, really, really kind of— we kind of meet there. I, I kind of like tick off religious folks, you know. I, not, not people who are really seeking God, but those people who think they've all got it figured out and nobody else can figure out how to get to God unless they talk to them. I love ticking those people off, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't think that's a bad thing because I think Jesus had that as well. Because he, he, he turned to him and he said, Now listen, I know what's going through some of your mind, but, you know, because you think I'm forgiven sin. But just so you know, That's the son of man talking about himself instead of saying Jesus. He said, just so you know that I have this power, he turned back to the man and he said, get up and take your bed out and go home. Just so he would, to prove his power, his ability, and his heart or his passion for everything that he was doing. You see, the action proves the passion that is behind it. And so you can, you can say all day long, I want to forgive everybody around me. But if the action isn't there, to prove it. You can say all day long, I want to do good to my neighbors. But if you're constantly running by them in the middle of their need, and not stopping and slowing down for a moment. We just, we just preached two weeks on, on being a neighbor and how God has called us to be neighbors. How, how It's the, the number two commandment, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you can say it all day long, but unless you're stopping long enough to do something about it. And Jesus said, hey, I've forgiven his sin, but I just want you to know what my real heart and passion is. I'm going to take care of his need as well. And so he healed him right there, and the man got up and he walked out the door. Now Jesus went down by the lakeside, and we went down there, he started healing people as well. And he passed a, a, a customs table, tax collector's table. And Sitting there was a man named Matthew now mark uses the name Levi because that that was the Hebrew name But, but he also went by Matthew That was the Greek name that he was called and it was Matthew the guy that wrote the first of the Gospels and Jesus passing by and saw him there. He said follow me And it's okay here again. We're in the middle of mark, right? And so Mark's not giving us a whole lot of details You know, we, we don't know if Matthew has seen Jesus do a whole lot of miracles We don't know what Jesus he says follow me You know what Matthew gets up and follows him and just starts following Jesus now, what does follow mean? What does follow mean? You know, you ever played the game follow the leader? You know or you know what the, fo- what the game follow the leader means? It doesn't mean just walk in my steps, but it also means do what I do, you know? If I flap my arms, you know, flap your arms, you know? If I hop, I hop. You know, whatever I do, you know, that's follow the leader. That's what Jesus was saying to him. He wasn't saying just go around with me everywhere I go. Understand this. When Jesus calls us, he calls us with purpose. It is not just to go in the places that he goes, but it is to do the things that he would do if he were there. He calls us to follow him. You know, several years ago, young people were all wearing those bracelets, WWJD, what would Jesus do? That's what he's calling us. When he said, when he said, Matthew, get up and follow me, he's saying, I want you to go see what I would do so you'll be able to do it also. Very next thing Mark tells us, I don't know how Jesus ended up at his house. You know, if you just read the book of Mark, what it looks like, it looks like Jesus said, come on, Matthew, follow me. And he takes off and he walks straight to Matthew's house like, okay, let's have dinner. You know, that's the way Mark kind of looks because Mark doesn't fill in a lot of the blanks of things. Probably a whole lot of stuff happened between there. I, I don't know. But I can imagine, you know, with all these things going on all around him, you know, Matthew's picking up and seeing all these things. But the very first lesson we really see Matthew learning is in Matthew's own house. And Jesus is sitting there and eating, and his disciples are there, the ones that he has called up to this point. Probably doesn't have all 12 there yet. He's calling them, Matthew's the the next one. So there's disciples that are following him. There's also some sinners. Now when when the Bible says sinners, it means people that don't know God, don't live for God, don't even care to do what is right. Just sinners. People that were friends of Matthew's, people that were friends of the tax collector. And he had to be friends with the sinners because most everybody else didn't like him because he was a tax collector. And so there were a lot of those people in his house. And so the religious, again, the ones Jesus loved to tick off, you know, they were were saying, he's eating with sinners. This man who calls himself holy is eating with sinners. And here's the first lesson that we see Matthew learning. Is Jesus understanding or overhearing what they're saying? He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous to repentance, but the sinner. God didn't send us to call, you know, and I want to throw the word self in there right before righteous. Because again, you know, here he's talking to self-righteous guys, religious. I want to throw that in, but Jesus didn't, so I can't say that's what he meant. I really want to say that's what he was saying is that I have not come to call you self-righteous guys to repentance. I've come to call, to call those who really want to repent or those who really have. But I think that's the heart of what he's saying. I've not called those who've already got it figured out. I've not come, you know, and, and in churches all across the world today, we have people that come and they say, you know, I've already got it figured out. I'm just here to help, you know, here to, you know, if somebody else needs something, I've already got it figured out. And it's almost like we, we don't need anything. And so we sit here, we sit here in our chairs with all of our problems and, and, and we never step forward and say, Jesus, I need you too. I need you in this area of my life. Je- Jesus said, you know, I- I'm not here for those who don't need me. I'm here for the ones that need me. That's what he was saying. I'm here. And that was the first lesson. So, so Jesus is like, is like calling Matthew. And, and in the first lesson he learns is, Matthew, follow me. And here's the thing is, Matthew, we're not called to those who don't need us. We're called to those who need us. And then, then there's this, this last part of chapter 2. And, you know, when I was studying this and I was feeling, you know, I was kind of following God in this. And I thought, man, this is good. This whole thing is just, it's kind of wrapping up all of Mark. And then all of a sudden there's these two little things here at the end about fasting and about the Sabbath. And I say, oh, why did, you know, because, listen, when when, when Jesus spoke, he didn't speak in chapters. And when Mark wrote, he didn't write it in chapters. You know, the, the guys who came and, and translated it later, they kind of put the chapters in there so it divided up for us, you know. And so when I see that, I thought, why didn't they? Make a break here so that it would be perfect because, you know, those first three things are the things that really Mark is all about. And so why, why did they add this at the very end about Jesus' comments on the fasting? And Why does it have to be in chapter 2? I thought, oh, wait a minute. I just started listening to God a little bit more and he said, it fit. This is what it's about. Here it is. Here's the thing. Is the religious people, they were upset with Jesus because his disciples weren't fasting a particular day. And then also one day when Jesus was walking by, uh, by a field, some of the disciples, they were hungry and they reached over and they took some grain off and they began to chew on the grain, kind of like, you know, trail mix on the go kind of thing, you know, just take some grain, you know, just, just munch on it. And so they were upset. Some of the religious people were upset because it was Sabbath. Oh, you're, you know, you're not supposed to do that much work. Uh, well, you know, that, that actually was something that they, they didn't do that much work of just breaking it off and putting it into their mouth. And you're, you're already supposed to have done that yesterday. But Jesus told him something about the Sabbath that fit both of these. He said he reminded us that man was not made to fit the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made to fit the man. Sabbath was made to give us a... So, 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 so here's the thing. Here, here, here's, here's the way to get this. Here, here's what I think God is wanting to tell us about this. is that the Pharisees. These, these, these over-religious, these, these people that are so caught up. They got so caught up in the stuff Gotta fast this day. Cannot even break off a piece of grain to stick in my mouth even though I'm dying hungry today. I can't do these. I got so caught up into this into that that we forget about the people. The Pharisees had gotten so caught up in the stuff they were doing, they forgot the reason that they were doing it to reach the people. That they, 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 they got the idea that their service to God was about not sinning and making sure nobody else sinned. You know, so, wait a minute, stand up right there. I got to tell I got to tell everybody about your sin. You got to quit that. That's what they thought they're you probably know some people like that. Man, I know some people like that. They think that is their calling in life is to tell people, you better quit that. You're going to die and go to hell for sure. You're going to hell. You need to tell them to read Matthew chapter 23 because Jesus really gets on to those religious types. He said You just care what it looks like on the outside. And on the inside, your cup's still dirty. You whitewash it on the outside, but inside you're just dead man's bones. There's death in you. There's no life in you. There's no ministry in you. So this is what he's telling all of us right here at the end of this chapter. And this is what Mark is telling us, is it's not about how it looks on a Sunday morning. It's not about how we dress it up. It's about what we really do with it when we get out there and we see the hurting people that need us. It's not about refraining from sin. It's about doing what he called us to do. It's not about, uh, it's not about making sure that nobody slips up and pointing them out if they do. It's about looking to see if anyone is slipping in themselves and running and helping make sure they don't fall completely away. So, so, so here's the call that God has given to us, and, and, and every one of us are, are, are gifted and talented in different ways, but we are called to serve. That's what Jesus did. That's what Mark's, that's, that's, that's who Mark's savior is, is a servant. That's who Mark's, you know, when Mark talks about Jesus, that's who Jesus is. He's the one that came to serve, not be served. And he gave us the example so that we would also serve. So then let us serve, serve one another, serve each other, serve alongside by being committed to Christian fellowship. Hadn't said this in a while, so it might be time for me to say it again. You know, you need to commit to a place that is your place of serving. You need to commit to a place that when, when, when your face doesn't show up on a Sunday morning, people are like, oh, where's so-and-so? Because they're part of us. You need to commit to that place. And if this is not it, then go find it. You know, I, we don't, I don't want anybody to walk away out of here because I can't imagine a better place to be than 29-11. I mean, honestly. I just really don't. I mean, that, it's, it, you know, it's, I've got it, and it's got me. You know, so I, I believe this is the place. But if this is not it, go find it. If this is not the place that, that you wake up on Sunday morning and say, man, I'm so excited. i got to go be with my brothers and sisters. Then you go find that and tie in. Commit to it. So, and understand that, listen, you know, I, I was saying this just the other night to some parents, you know, about how our kids, you know, every one of our kids, everyone, like this one kid needs all these other kids. They need, they need them. But you know what? Every one of those other kids, they need the group also. And and so sometimes we look at churches like 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 church is something it's a place that I go because I need no. We didn't come here today to be served. But we came here today to serve, to be committed to Christian fellowship and, and worship on Sunday morning in small groups and in, 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 in breaking bread from house to house. Invite somebody to your house, have a block party, rent, a, rent a, uh, you know, an inflatable for your kid's birthday party, invite everybody in town and in the neighborhood. But in Christian fellowship, invite a, to be together. Serve one another, that's what he's called us to do. And so the first part of this is to serve one another by being committed to Christian fellowship. And secondly, to serve our neighbors. And that doesn't mean just the people who live next door. I preached this last two weeks, so I don't want to rehash this, but it's talking about everyone out here that we see that's in need and that is struggling. Serve our neighbors. In our communities, and we all have several communities, the community we live in, the community we either work or go to school in, the community, you know, where we, we, we shop or we, we, we do our hobbies, those things. We all have several communities. Serve our neighbors. And, and not just those right around us not just our, our, our communities, but also as, as Jesus told us to be witnesses to him in Judea and Samaria and the most part of the earth. So our communities and those outside of our communities, other states and other areas of our state and in our country to serve those and also other parts of the world to serve those.